You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. Wrapping up another week of NFL football, of Detroit Lions football, as we sit here in the aftermath of the great reunion, the reunion in both ways of Stafford and the Lions of Jared Goff and Sean McVay. One worked out better than the other. and um, But I think this was a very interesting game for a lot of different reasons. And very soon we shall break it all down. But first, I am Chris Perfett, your adequate host, at Chris Perfett on Twitter, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. And uh, our fearless leader, Jeremy Reisman, is on location. He is not here, so we uh, do not have him. So I'm going duo with the main man, Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore P O D Ryan. How are we feeling in the aftermath of this one? Uh, I I'm feeling, I I don't know which way to go, Chris. I don't know which way to grow. Uh, I I think what we'll do during this podcast is we'll have an opportunity to take a look at some of the good, some of the insane, uh, some of the trickery that Dan Campbell was up to today that, uh, I, (laughs) caught everybody off guard all the time. Um, but, uh, I, Overall, I, I would say that this is another, you know, they gave it their best shot and they gave it an honest effort and they just came up short again. Yep. You take the good, you take the bad, you take it all. And there you have the facts of life and there you have the POD cast. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's what we're <laughs> going to do here. And uh, yeah, this is a very interesting one for a lot of reasons, mostly because I don't think anyone expected the Lions to really be. I didn't expect the Lions to be this skin close to it. I know it was the trendy pick from some national people to be like, ooh, the Lions, this is able to play with heart and maybe pull out a win here. And they were half right. So I'll give it to the national guys on that. There was a lot of heart. There was a lot of fire. And it just comes up short because of our usual sus- thank in, in large part, thanks to our usual suspect, but there's plenty of chances where the lions could have just put this one away and just didn't. And I think injuries later on the game, AJ Parker going out and you, you could see that they took advantage of Daryl Worley. The Rams did to make things move, but uh, we'll try to break it all down. But first I want to start at the beginning of the game. We'll kind of go a little timeline wise, but uh, I've never been more excited than those first 10 minutes of the game where the ball didn't even touch Stafford's hand. And we're going to talk about Stafford. Trust me, but I think I want to save the, uh, the love fest for a little later. Uh, can we talk about those first 10 minutes? Can we talk about fake punts and onside kicks? 
And more what fake we, punts. And more fake punts. <laughs> that, that happened after the half. Yeah, no. I, Holy, we, we went full trickeration on this. This was Dan Campbell. B. I think Dan Campbell realized the scope of this game. It's like, why not? Why not become the Joker? Right. Why, why, why not try to employ the best defensive tactic you can against the Los Angeles Rams and try to keep Matthew Stafford from, you know, getting on the field? <laughs> what was what was the time of possession? It was like something like ten minutes in the first quarter. There were, there was a lot of possession that the Lions had um, in in that first half and in that first quarter. Uh, I know it ended up being thirty two forty to twenty seven twenty. So you know the Lions did win that battle. Um, but yeah, I think lar- large in part there was a lot of possession that the Lions had in the first half, and you know I, I think that trickeration it had to have been part of the game plan. Like let's try to keep the ball out of Matthew Stafford's hands. You know our defense is banged up, their offense is humming along. Let's let's try to be a little strategic about it. And kudos to it Dan works. Campbell. I no, mean, it works. I think yeah. I think they realized part of the game planning is like, look, this isn't the Rams' defense of last year. They've got some holes and they're uh, I feel like they're especially on special teams They're They were a little weak. So like they, they knew where the holes were on the Rams and you could see it later in the game when they started to really try to grind the ball on the ground. Like, yeah, the plan was win time of possession, keep Stafford off the field, exploit what weaknesses you can find that Rams defense. And right up until almost the, the, the penultimate lions drive that worked. That worked, and they were in line for a touchdown in the end. But uh, we'll talk about Jared Goff in a bit. But that was exciting. I, I like. I didn't think an onside kick still worked in the NFL. Yeah. How about you? You want to talk about more things that worked, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. So one other thing that worked, I thought, large in part, aside from, aside from a personnel choice on a certain fourth and one, where DeAndre mm. Swift gets the ball up the middle. Uh, I thought the Lions did a fantastic job of trying to establish the run and run the football uh you know 137 yards on 28 attempts for 4.9 yards of carry they had seven first downs rushing the football um i i think for a team that i i think that rams defense had to know that that's what the lions wanted to do early on and they and they did it rather well i think throughout the course of the game uh and shout out cj moore with a rush for 28 yards yeah, and I, I really want to highlight DeAndre Swift. Again, I didn't think he needed to be used up the middle. That is Jamal Williams' territory, and he's good at it. But yeah. Williams, I mean, Swift, excuse me. If people have not understood what Swift brings to the table, they will understand after this game. He was on fire this game. He was like made – Khalif Raymond had the more – uh, receiving yards, which good on Khalif Raymond. There was some both Swift and Raymond. There is a theme. It made some connect- tough catches. Khalif Swift Raymond and Raymond catches. both have they have a theme connecting the two of them, and I'll get to that in a second. But Swift, ninety six yards, uh, and a lot of that's still yards after completion. Like that's oh, still sure, technically yeah. ground. It's like those basically don't become rushing attempts just because it's a dump off. Mm-hmm. Or, or a screen like it, but still like Swift is a big reason why this offense made the moves that it did to get to first downs. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I think what I'm looking at with, with Deandre Swift too, is um, there's, there's enough there that they can find that balance between him and Williams 
It's just that there's sometimes, I don't know, there, there's sometimes when the ball needs to be in Jamal Williams' hands and mm-hmm. he needs to get some more opportunities. And I, I think what the Lions were able to do today, large in part on offense, was was because of what they had in Swift and what they had in Williams. I mean, Williams had, you know, 12 carries for 57 yards. Those are probably the, the hardest 57 yards I've seen anybody run for this this year for, for the Lions. I mean, that, that was... That was some true hard nose running by Jamal Williams. And, you know, I I think we talked about it when we talked about the comments that Brandon Staley made, but like when you can run the football like that, other teams have to be physical. They have to get off blocks. They have to make tackles. And you would hope that that would open up more opportunities in the passing game. And, you know, I don't know. Do we get to Jared Goff now or do we, do we wait? For yeah. Jared Goff so the, the one thing I wanted to tie the two uh, Khalif Raymond and Deandre Swift together is also probably, probably the damnation on Jared Goff is that the two things tying Khalif Raymond and Deandre Swift together, which is two over two, which is 210 yards of your passing offense. How much of that came on yards after completion? The answer is a lot. There was a couple of deep Now, Jared Goff made a couple of deep throws. Yes. But there was also quite a bit of that where like his box score got inflated by a lot of yak. So like that's that's going to be the first thing. And that's going to make it hard for people who are just box score readers to try to like see the problems with golf. Yeah. And I I don't think you can escape the other the other two glaring issues. And it's it's. I mean the the last interception, whatever the game's you know well without reach. There, there's oh yeah, sure, a, and it's a tipped a, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it's the one fr- that broke the game. Like as I said, the Lions were in in the red zone, ready to take the lead. And what happens, Ryan? It's just I, so it's a combination of things, right? Like Jonah Jackson watching that play. Jonah Jackson gets beat bad, and I think that's just a chance where Jared Goff has to say, "All right." I'm going to take my lump here and I'm just going to, I mean, at this point, the lions are down six, right down six. It's, you know, uh, they're in the red zone. Like you said, it's second and 10. They're on the Rams 12 live to see a third down instead of trying to force that ball into TJ Hawkinson, that Ramsey just grabs and, you know, runs the opposite direction and, and watching him run out of bounds right by Dan Campbell and kind of point to him. I was like, Jared Goff again, Goffing his way to, you know, potentially costing the Lions an opportunity to, I mean, because kudos to, to another player, Seibert, four field goals. Austin's, yeah, Seibert did well. On hey. all of his attempts. I The thing with Goff is like, there was a middle part of this game where Goff was fine. Like he wasn't great, but he was doing everything that was pretty much asked of him. I mean, there was a start of the game where, I mean, I, I don't even remember where it was in the game where he, he faked himself out on his own. He looked like he faked himself out on his own pump fake and hit mm-hmm. and the in the football, hit his balls, hit him in the cup. But I, yeah, at the end of the game, it's like, that's a mistake that just really can't be made. And again, like that's just, it, it was a bad mistake in decision-making at the end of the day. It's not about skill with golf. He's got, he showed you that he still has plenty of talent there to do some of these things, but it's the decision-making that still kills him. And it killed him again here late in the game, just like it did last week, just like it's done in other weeks. And it's, it's becoming a bit of a broken record. So I don't want to spend too much time on it because we know that Jared Goff was not the better quarterback in this game at all, but I'll give him some credit that there was some, 
there was some progress there. He did not look as bad as the Bengals game. No, there, there was, there was definitely, there were definitely signs of improvement. Like some of the throws that he did make to Khalif Raymond. Um, there was, there was one, one throw to TJ Hawkinson. That that was a big gain that, um, you know, and, and there's another thing that Mark Sanchez for as bad as he was on the broadcast, large in part, there, there was one comment that he made about um, Goff making a, a sprinkler read, essentially scanning from the right side of the field all the way to the left side of the field. Yeah, that was the favorite thing on the Teleraster this this Sunday. Yeah. So, you know, there, there was there were signs of Jared Goff making no pun intended, you know, progression from, from last week to this week, but, you know, doing things like making it through his progressions and things like that. And, and I guess the reason why it's, it's a knock on golf on that throw and the interception is because he's throwing it into the middle of the field. It would be really easy at, you know, at the down and distance where they were, it's really easy for Jared Goff to throw that ball through the back of the end zone. It's really easy for Jared Goff to, you know, throw it, you know, out to the sideline. Um, and, and to make it look like, you know, not intentional grounding. I, I think that Goff had an opportunity to throw that ball away without it being intentional grounding. Um, but, you know, that's another thing is just Jared Goff's maneuverability and his, his pocket awareness. It's, it's questionable. And, you know, when, when he makes when he makes throws like that into the middle of the field where a lot of bad stuff can happen, because that's where your defenders are, that, you know, is backbreaking. That's the beginning of the yeah. fourth quarter and the Lions are down six. I, I remember at the start of the year, Tom Brady, there was like a, a quote from Tom Brady about like, that's how offenses have evolved, but it's really not fair for quarterbacks to really just force it over the middle. Cause you're just going to put your receivers in, in very threatening positions to get hit hard. Yeah. Like, there's just not a lot of good that comes from it. Right. There's no, just no. And that's, that's unfortunate things to happen. Yeah. And aside from some deep shots to Khalif Raymond, that was a lot of lions offense that and screen passes. The one thing, I will say that draw play that I hate on third down actually worked this week. And I it works, right? I don't what, understand. Was it, it. Thir- was it third and 11? Some, it, I think it was like third and 15. I'd have to go back and look. It, it doesn't was, matter. It was, it was a distance and it, it was it one was of those doozy. calls where, where, where as soon as you see Swift get the, the handoff, you're like, all right, here comes Jack Fox. Like, but, but I mean, yeah. uh, on the other side of it, there wasn't much going on besides Raymond and Swift for the receiving. Like Hawkinson got 48 yards but, you know, once again, it's Hawkinson that we know and love, you know, catches and gets hit or again, over the middle, it catches and falls down. But that's hard to do anything else when you, you have to catch it over the middle. But I mean, nobody else really got involved. Darren Fells had a pass. Kaderil Hodge had a reception. But but I, I didn't even think Amon Ross St. Brown showed up in the stat sheet. Geronimo Allison empty like. Those are your those are your only two options out there. It's it's limited, and as soon as the Rams dialed in and realized how limited it was, it was kind of game over. I mean, I mean, Bobby Price was your fourth leading receiver. The cornerback yeah. or the the safety converted to cornerback converted to wide receiver. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the defense here? Or should we do it on the other side? Because like there were there were some bright spots on on the defense. I, I might as well talk about it right now. Like I thought. AJ Park, like once again, the Lions have some interesting diamonds in the rough with AJ Parker and Jerry Jacobs. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, Jerry Jacobs. I thought I thought looked good in, in coverage again this this uh, this game. I, I'll be interested to see what you know Pro Football Focus grades him out because he, he can't do well because like he but he's given an impossible task though to cover Cooper Cup. I I need to impress people on like how good Cooper Cup's been this year with that Stafford connection, like. I think Ramswire 
he said this was a couple of weeks ago. He's on pace for 131 catches, 1,850 yards, 20 touchdowns, which like that's going to like that's Randy Moss type projections. Yeah. I mean, right, right now I saw a stat at the end of the game where it was like through the first seven games, he has more yards and touchdowns than anybody in the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Here, here's where it was with the, the only other player with at least 600 yards receiving and seven touchdown catches through week six was Randy Moss in 07. Yeah. yeah. Like, but that's, that's who AJ Parker has to guard. And as soon as he went out and Daryl Worley came in, what happened? The Rams realized Stafford realized what he could do and he targeted Cooper cup and Worley could not keep pace with them. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's what Parker was like holding back that entire game. And, and, and there's also some, some Sean McVay wizardry in there too, in terms of what he's able to scheme up like that, that rub route <clears throat> that, you know, Cooper cup just has to take, you know, two steps off a slant and catch a football that's wide open. Um, because of, you know, what the, the wide receiver to the inside of him was able to do on, on that pick play. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I mean, that's one of the things that I think Matthew Stafford is kind of unlocked about this offense, right? Because you see, you see what Jared Goff's limitations are. And I, I understand the whole chicken and the egg argument with Jared Goff about like, well, if he doesn't have the receivers and how can we expect him to perform? Cooper Cup wasn't doing this when Jared Goff was in town. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. But it's also a very different Rams defense, too. Like, they changed it when Stafford came in. It stopped being – like, they still have some of the play action, but it's largely vertical now because they know what they have with Stafford. Yeah, I mean, they can can take more chances. They can – you know, they can take more chances. They can, you know, do some different things on on offense when it comes to – because, I mean, you want to talk about somebody who has, you know, incredible pocket awareness, somebody who does have – you know, some mobility uh, in order to, you know, move the play to the left or move the play to the right on play action or any, any of that stuff. Like, yeah, you know, Matthew Stafford can do that. He can make the change in the arm angle throws. And that's something again, Sanchez highlighted on the, you know, on the telecast. Yeah, he was, I, like I can tell Lions angle, fans making were... Rich Gannon throws. Yeah. And Lions fans were getting sick of it. I only got upset when he, when he came for wrestling. Yeah. I knew you would. I knew you would where he's like that. That's the other thing. Like some of the play calling, like, I, I don't know what's in Leonard Floyd's head, but that guy's got to chill. You see, he, who, who was that? Who he grabbed some like offensive lineman by like the, the chin strap and was like strangling him and it didn't get called. Well, Leonard Floyd got away with on the, on the flag that they had where they were going to call holding Leonard Floyd tried to trip Jared Goff. And that is a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> and like that didn't get called either. So it was one of those things where it was like, oh, you know, Jared Goff was able to lobby the refs and get out of that whole. No, it should have been a penalty on Leonard. No, Floyd. no. Leonard Floyd was dirty this game. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, on the on the Lions side of it, like Julian, you, you talked about how good Stafford was in this game. But like you at least got what I think the Lions got four passes defended in this game. Tracy Walker, Jerry Jacobs, Parker and Julian Okwara, who, by the way, was a menace getting in there. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I got, he, he overshot yeah. Stafford, but thankfully, I think he tripped up Stafford enough that did turn into a sack, you know, picked mm-hmm. up by by Charles Harris to to finish it. But there, Oquar, Julian Oquar is still progressing fairly well. Yeah. So the, the the story for the Lions still remains that the defense is young and is being asked against these massive, high powered offenses to stop these things. Yeah, I, I love that play design too on on the Oquara sack because they had pressure up the middle 
um, in the A gaps and they stunted Aquara inside and he was just, you know, left completely alone, had a free pass on Stafford. Stafford did trip and it, it wasn't the best tackle attempt, but Aquara did enough to get him down. And you have to love what Aquara has been able to do. I mean, last week he had a sack this week. He had a sack when he's out there, he's being disruptive. He's, he's, you know, racking up pressures. That's a guy that, those are the young guys, right, Chris? Like that. that yeah, was, and, but I mean, even for the, the veteran, bump, right? I thought I thought Alex Anzalone had a pretty good game too. Yeah. He was bringing a lot of pressure up the middle, and just Stafford was getting it away, just a step or like Anzalone was always just a step slow there. But still, he was at least getting pressure and forcing Stafford to at least get it out quick. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, my, my last point about Okora is like that's the stuff that we were hoping to be able to see from guys like Okuda and. Julian's brother, Romeo and Efatu uh, Melifanu, like seeing those young guys play, even in these, these hard, tough losses, getting them a chance to get some experience and show what they can do and flash a little bit. Julian O'Quara is starting to pick that up and he's starting to build on that game by game. So, um, and, and what about, I mean, I know tackles are the worst stat to, right. to, to, you know, judge a player's performance off of, but Jalen Reeves may have been just all into it, had, had nine total no, like, sacks and I, five solo sacks. Well, not, not just that, but like Daryl, like they didn't let Daryl Henderson do anything on the ground. He had 15, he had to carry, he tried to carry the ball 15 times, only got 45 yards. Yeah. Like Sony Michelle was, was stopped. Stafford, I think tried to run it a couple of times, got really nothing with it. Like they, yeah. they, they once again stopped on the ground. And I know, I feel like we're talking way too positively right now, finding way too much the bright side, because I don't think that these moral victories really count for much anymore, unless again, you take the view that I have and that this season is pretty much like you're just seeing what you have. Like right. it sucks to say that about a season. It sucks to say you have to throw away the year, but like the lions were Oh, and six coming into this game. They're now Oh, and seven. And the win would have got you some great moral victory. And it w- and hopefully at some point they'll put one on the shelf. But I mean, this was the Rams. This is the Los Angeles Rams who look like they're going to be going at least a pl- like at least to the sem- to the I don't know if they'll go to the NFC championship but they'll at least go to the vi- to the divisional round like they- I don't know what's really and they've got to keep pace with the with the, with the Cardinals uh, to make sure they don't fall into a wild card but this was a team that I don't think any of us really gave a shot for the lions. And I don't want to hear people. And I don't think we should have given them a shot either. I, 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 I spent a weekend with some national guys saying, Oh, the lions might be really sneaky. And I guess they're right, but they're right. Just because they didn't really have much, but they didn't have much to like go on there. The lions hadn't really shown you any reason to trust them in this game. And, and I think Chris, what I am so optimistic about is like a lot of this game goes credited to Dan Campbell, like without those play calls, without the, the fake punts, without the onside kick, he came like, out of the, like you, you want to talk about kneecaps. He came out and like, punched the kneecaps, right? Like he didn't bite the kneecaps. He punched them in the kneecaps right away. You keep the, the opposing quarterback off the field for 10 minutes to start a game. Yeah. And get but like that, what? 10 points out of it. Right. That's the guy that I really feel for though, right now. Like I know I feel for those guys in the locker room and I'm sure Dan Campbell will, will probably say as much as well. But I feel for Dan Campbell, man, like he couldn't have done anything more from the sidelines to put this team no, in position I, to win. And and I know, Chris, I, I think that people are, might say that we're being too optimist, optimistic about, you know, the Lions losing another game by by two scores. But they were 16 and a half point dogs. 
Yeah. And they, and again, they had a shot at that end zone to take the lead late in the game. Now, obviously that ball goes back into Stafford's hand and I think he still wins the game, but at the very least you're still hanging tough at the end. But like, I thought, and we got to get out of here. We got to take a break, but like, I thought, as you say, he pitched a perfect game. He knew exactly when to pull it back. He knew exactly when to not go on fourth down and when to go on fourth down. And guess what? The fourth down try actually worked because he actually like gave good the, the, the play calling on those fourth to convert fourth down actually like looked good this week. Yeah. Who knew that it, Jack it, Fox had an arm like that? Well, yeah, that's the other thing. Jack Fox has a better passer rating in this game than than uh, than Jared Goff. <laughs> <laughs> the trickeration was phenomenal. I don't think we're going to see much of that, but still it gives you, it at least lets you know they're like thinking outside the box, which is what I want from a football team. Innovation wins. Yeah. But let's take a quick break. We'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit about Stafford in this game. Cause I feel like this I, hopefully is the end of a narrative, but uh, we'll, 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 we'll see about that. We'll also talk on some of the things that, maybe not as bright for the lions and just other notes we have from the game and where the lions just really go from here again. Oh, and seven, you got the Eagles coming up, which might be winnable, but I mean, who knows with this team at this point, we'll be right back on the pride of Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Reactions continue from Lions and Rams as as Lions go back and forth. This was the first game where the Lions, like, had a lead. Um. And like did something with it. With that it, lead. Was, it was the first time this season, Chris, that they had the lead and took an offensive snap. Yep. Yeah. Improvement. Progress. Progress. Huzzah. The problem is the guy on the other side is Matthew Stafford. Yeah, he's and pretty ho- good, huh? Yeah, he's pretty good. I'm I'm I, I hate to do this because like I don't I don't know. I saw I saw some people in the past week trying to shame Lions fans for rooting for Stafford. I don't buy into that at all. But at the same time, like, I think after this game, I know that he's off doing much better things over there and we have to deal with Jared Goff, but I'm 
I'm kind of done. I'm good. I'm good without the, uh, the love fest now. Like he's fantastic over there, but I concern myself with the lions at the end of the day. I think this is an opportunity for, for everybody to kind of turn the page uh, in, in a sense that, I mean, maybe it's a, an opportunity for Jared Goff to turn the page. Uh, I, but I, lar- large in part, Chris, I, I, I agree with you. I know, I know neither of us like to police fandom. Um, and how could we, when we have somebody like, you know, Jeremy on the podcast who wants to talk about Matthew Stafford all the time, but um, you know, it was warranted obviously <laughs> this week because I mean, they're, they're playing the Rams. Um, it is such a big game. Um, but at this point, like, I, I'm really not interested in talking Matthew Stafford or hearing about Matthew Stafford until the playoffs come around. Um, Look, I, the thing is that I think the breakup, the difference between the two, cause I was wondering why Jared Goff and Sean McVay was the bigger storyline nationally. And it's simple because those two had an acrimonious breakup when Goff went to Detroit because he was unwanted in, in LA and McVay had said some things and he was talking this week about how he probably shouldn't have said some of the things that he said and that relation had fallen apart. When Stafford left Detroit, I thought everyone was on the same page. This was a, a fine breakup. We all understood what was going on. The team was rebuilding. Stafford's legacy was on the line. He didn't want to stick around for a rebuild. And the Lions got a, a lot of assets for shipping, for shipping him to, to Los Angeles. Like, I thought it's fine. Yeah. So I understand, but- like, it, it still sucks on a personal level, seeing him doing great things over there. And he did a lot of those great things against the Lions, 334 yards in this game. But I'm like, I'm not going to live or die on it. I'm not going to feel just torn up that it's like, I don't even feel like this is like somehow saying goodbye or something. It's just, it's just the quirk of it. The Lions had the NFC West this year. Mm, Yeah. Um, I, the, the thing with, the thing with Matthew Stafford is like you said, everybody was on the same page and they were cool with trading Matthew Stafford because this was the sign of a complete rebuild. But it always comes back to my point that everybody is cool with the rebuild in the off season. I, I, I saw an awful yep. lot of, I saw an awful lot of pining for Matthew Stafford this week of the what ifs of, Oh man, Dan Campbell's just the kind of coach that Matthew Stafford would have loved to play for. And who knows where the lions would be this season if they had Matthew Stafford. Uh, who knows? None of us will know. None of us will know. And yeah, I, I think that's a great way to put it too, is like everyone's cool with the rebuild in the off season. Cause even then the fire has been getting hotter for like, I I'll, I'll give it to Jeremy. He called it because Chris Carter was showing his ass out there this week about yelling about, Dan Campbell. Look, Dan Campbell can't be a straight shooter if you then want him to pull a punch when asked about Jared Goff. And even even still doing it in the nicest of ways, and you think he's throwing him under the bus, dude. We all see what Jared Goff's doing out there. Like, don't BS. Like you, you like the coach has an obligation to his players, but he also has to do some PR towards the fans and the media. Yeah, and I know. I know. Sometimes, like fans believe that the media and like we're all there just to muck things up and and pick around. But the alternative is so much worse. Just doing just straight flack PR for yeah. Lions.com or whatever. Like it, you need those kind of those. I won't say adversarial voices, but I'm allowed to call a spade a spade too, and ask why that spade is a spade. Yeah. That, that's something that we, I, I think as a fan base, I think even as a site, 
I think all of us on staff have really appreciated the authenticity and the, uh, you know, just the transparency with Dan Campbell as, as a person and, and the way that he approaches <clears throat> the way that he approaches the team, the way he approaches football. And I, I'm, there's no way that he can he can pull that punch, Chris. I, I totally agree with you because then then some of the other things start to then, then you can start to poke some other holes through Dan Campbell. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we we talked you know so much about Dan Campbell in, in the first segment about you know just the cojones that he had on him to make the play calls that he he did in this game to to give the Lions a chance and. Um, and the Lions still end up coming up short, right? They still end up losing by nine points. They have one of their most winnable games on the slate this season, next week, Halloween, playing the Philadelphia Eagles, the listless Philadelphia Eagles. Can the Lions get it done? Or is there going to be a hangover from this game? Because it seems like there was a hangover from that Vikings game, right? Right. I don't... The problem is, is that the bank... The, I think the hangover... is. The difference in the hangover is that the Bengals, as we are learning, are a pretty well comp- put together team. All things are, said and done, especially that offense. They are quite offense. good. They are quite good. They are quite good, as we've learned, as they just smoked the Ravens. Worse than they smoked. You know what? Was it closer? I th- what was it? 34-11, 41-17. That's a difference of what? Hey, I can't I do know. math in my head. Yeah, we're, you're, you're, we're, you're, you're the teacher. No, not the math teacher, but we're splitting hairs. I, I think yeah. that the way that the Bengals went into Baltimore and punt them, yeah, they're a good football team. But I, I, I just, I, I see a potential there, right? I see a potential for. No, I guess my my point is that my point was that the the Bengals, as we're learning, are a good team with a fantastic high flying offense. You can't say that about Philadelphia. Uh, you cannot say that about Philadelphia. It's a very good point. Yeah. I don't want to, I'll save some of that for the next segment because looking ahead, but um, it, I don't know what to make. I think the lions are better tuned to beat someone like Philadelphia. I don't think there's such thing as hangover for this kind of game because it was just a lot of fighting hard. I know Dan and even the, even the press conference, I'm getting some of the quotes out of the press conference right now, like Dan Campbell, he's saying it's, it's frustrating. They're, they're aggressive and it's still not enough. He thinks they made a lot of mis- He's made too many mistakes out there. And he, t- and there was a fourth down failure. I just praised him about how I thought for him to see that he's still kind of going on himself about that. When I, we just said it last segment, I thought he was fine on fourth down in this game. I thought he made right decisions, a lot of fourth down. And there was just a couple of, there was just one fourth down or so that just didn't work out that well. Um, it's, it's, it's rough, man. It's hard to get a win when you are like this. And we, the team just keeps getting more and more banged up too. Like again, AJ Parker went out and what do you have to turn to Daryl Worley? Daryl Worley can't keep pace with someone like Cooper cup. Yeah. I, I, I mean, do we have any, we, we don't have any qualms about, about Dan Campbell going for it on fourth and one from the Rams 18 yard line lions down one point. We don't have any problems with that. Do we? I don't think I do. No, no, I don't. Because like the math says it works most of the time. Like, and I know there's this, like the, the fourth down fourth down calling has been the big story, the big debate point for a lot of sports talk this season. Because I think more and more it's winning over that guys are going for it more on fourth down. And yeah, sometimes you leave points on the field when that happens, but it's a roll of the dice every time. 
And if the odds are still good, then I'm still taking those odds. Yeah. And at that point too, that was one of the longer drives that the lions had in the mm-hmm. game. I mean, that was, that was over, you know, that was over a six minute drive. Um, the only drive that they had longer than that was no surprise. The, the Jared Goff interception to TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> so like that, th- th- those two, those two drives, right. Are emblematic of why the Rams end up winning this game by nine points because they come away with zero points in the red zone, um, both on both trips. And I, I, I'm totally cool with the call. It's just, I thought it was unfortunate that it was DeAndre Swift and, and not Jamal Williams, but um, yeah. That's yeah. It's I, just, I, I know, I know it's trendy to think that like fans are always cool with fourth downs, but like I saw plenty of fans who were like, why didn't you just take the three points there? But again, like I, I would rather, I, I'd rather just keep the drive going, man, no matter what. <laughs> It was clear that Dan Campbell it wasn't was, going to be enough he, at the end of the he day. He was he was in Los Angeles to win that football game. <laughs> yeah, he he wanted yeah. to just go big coyones on this. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, what else can we say about this game? Can we can we say something about the season so far? Is it wearing I, on you, or where where are you at on it? Yeah, it, it it's not wearing on me as much as I think like an zero and seven start would normally, but I think a lot of that is due in credit to to this coaching staff, and it, it was it was something that we talked about all off season long. You know, you you talked about it at great length, Chris, talking about you know all these former players and this kind of new experiment that was going on here in Detroit, and I like I'm still excited to like watch. Lions games each week uh, in a way that I was not interested in watching Lions games for the past three seasons. Let me just put um, this. Yeah. yeah. Let me, let me put it this way. I like using the word Sisyphean okay. because I love mythology and I love the idea of Sisyphus rolling that boulder up the hill and he's almost got it up there and it just rolls right back down. I love that imagery. The Lions are Sisyphean and I've used that before in other seasons, but I feel like this Sisyphean is at least, it, it, it hasn't worn me out yet. I'm still watching them try to roll that boulder up the hill because I still, maybe in its kayfabe that's got me, but I still feel like they have a chance to get that boulder up that hill this year. Uh, that's, that's a great way of describing it. Uh, like, and, and maybe it, maybe it doesn't, maybe that boulder doesn't matter too much for just the one solitary win, but man, after seven, after seven of these, I will take it. Yeah. I, and I, I'm there too. Like I'll, I'll keep pushing that damn boulder because I want, because I want to do it for Dan Gamble. Like he, he makes it, I mean, today, like was today entertaining at the end of the day? Yes. yes. This was an entertaining football game to watch. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I don't have a reason to doubt the coaching staff. I haven't seen those cracks yet that, you know, we, we were worried about it, right. That it's, it's always, and we talked about it, how the fans are on board with the, with a rebuild in the pre in before the, in the off season mm-hmm. and players are probably on board with, you know, a positive vibe from the coaching staff in the off season, but that hasn't, but after seven heart, seven times, your heart's getting ripped out. You just, I still haven't seen the cracks on it. And even, and even after this week where, you know, someone like Chris Carter is going on there and, and thinking that, him saying something about Jared Goff is going to have a deleterious effect on Jared Goff and or that locker room. And it 
I don't think it's happened. Jared Goff, I thought, played better this game. I don't think he played great, but like compared to what he was doing in the Bengals game, he cleaned it up. Yeah, I think I think Jared Goff responded well in this game. Um, You know, he showed up and he played. He he made made a couple of crucial errors, but that's kind of who we have come to understand who Jared Goff is. Yeah, and like the Lions are playing just big, big monsters each week. Like you run into the the Rams. (laughs) They're playing the Rams. Like Panay Sewell is probably mixed on his PFF grade here, but he he had to stand up to Aaron Donald. Quite literally at one point, jawing off with him. But like, yeah, dude, I don't know if you want to get into a, uh, I don't know if you want to get into a shoving match with Aaron Donald. <laughs> I don't care how big you are. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's rough, man. But it's, it's at this point, I'm not, I haven't thrown in a towel on anything yet. There are points in the Patricia years where it's like, I'm throwing in towels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know it's it. each loss, it becomes harder and harder to sell more and more fans on that. But you know what I would also say? Once you get to that offseason again, as long as you've got the rest of this team still on your still on your side, it won't matter. Because we know this season is rough as hell. And we know that as long as the players keep buying in, that you're going to get to the draft and you're going to start doing what you need to build. And you're going to have to still deal with Jared Goff's sizable contract, even though it's restructured. But you know, you you got Jamie Collins off your off your roster here. You've got some. You're, you're working out what you have with your cap. It's we. I I wrote it seven weeks ago, and I have to keep going back to it. Dan Campbell's going to lo- lose a lot of bleeping football games, and unfortunately, it's coming probably the worst way I've ever thought I could imagine it, where it's just this guy is bleeding on the field, putting his team in the best place he can. And it's still just not enough. And that's, that's the definition of Sisyphean and it hurts. It hurts, but I'm not giving up on it yet. Just as someone, just as someone who is asked to be both a fan and someone to commentate on the team, like it's, but yeah. Very well said. All right. Well, we're going to take a break here. I'm going to go solo for the final segment. We're going to get Ryan out of here and uh, talk about a few more things about where the rest of the season is going to go. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Close the casket on this game. Cause I think that's probably the best way to do this because uh, it's um, this one's rough, man. This one's rough just because like you got, you had the best crack at the monster you could. You know, we, we talked about buried alive matches on uh, on one leg at a time, our gambling podcast. If this was a casket match, Dan Campbell, his fingers are in between the lid and the casket. He, <laughs> Dan Campbell's not giving up on this team. And that's, Look what happens. Jeremy, t- Jeremy can't go on one POD cast and the wrestling talk has come back twice now. The kids will play. Yeah. We'll be right back on the Friday Detroit POD cast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Friday Detroit POD cast. We're going to wrap up the show here in a few minutes. This will be a short one because obviously I'm running solo now. Ryan had to tap out. Jeremy is apparently uh, drunk or at least manic in SoFi Stadium. As we've learned, he might have been one of the guys who was falling through the press conference doors to holler and talk about uh, talk with Jared Goff. So it's we're we're all in our well we are all in our ways here this week after this game, and I'm still here, kind of manning the ruins of this of this proud ship once called the POD cast SSPOD cast as we sail these turbulent seas. I want to take this time because I feel like this is going to be a preview for the rest of the season. And also just notes on the rest of the season notes on what's coming up next. Obviously we'll have a comprehensive Eagles preview with one of our friends from bleeding green nation. And trust me, we've got a lot of them over at bleeding green nation and their season hasn't gone well. And they just got stomped on by the Raiders. I feel like, and I don't want to jinx it because I, I feel like when I looked at the Bengals game, I thought that was a very winnable game at the start of the year. And obviously that turned out to be the worst loss the Lions have taken this year. But at the same time, I feel like the Eagles are a different team from the Bengals in that I feel like the Eagles are more set up. They have some of the same pitfalls as the Lions in that they're either they've got either old veterans or very young guys and not much in between. And I feel like Jalen Hurts, the type of quarterback you can probably deal with. He's not going to be a Justin Fields out there. I mean, as Ryan said, we might end up giving him the, the game of his life on Halloween, but at the same time on paper, it looks like a pretty winnable game. It's going to be a pro- it's going to be a problem though because the Lions just I don't know if it's going to be a burnout game for the Lions but it le- it, it it's something when you leave a lot on the table like they did for the Rams but I think the the thing about this this Lions team is that every week whatever they were struggling with in a game is acknowledged it's talked about and not only do the coaches talk about it but they make actual work each week to try to address it. I thought, and I know Jeremy had texted in and said that he thought this was Jared Goff's best game of the season. I think that a lot, and you know, coming off that Cincinnati Bengals game, he had to have a much better game. There were a lot of things uh, we saw the team abandon its aggressiveness early on. I mean, uh, in, in past weeks. And part of that was, is that, Dan Campbell said when the aggressiveness didn't work, he would go away from it. But the aggressiveness worked in this game. He went for it on fourth down. One time they might have left some points in the field, but I feel like a field goal, three points, wasn't going to get you enough. So you're going into the Philadelphia game, 
You're going to, to, to host Philadelphia at home with a crowd that might be a little antsy. And look, I don't know what they're going to do with the Chris Spielman induction. It sounds very cool. I don't know if Sheila Fortan wants to go out there again to get booed mercilessly unless she really wants to, to, to hold on to that heel role. I don't know what that'll do for it. I probably not much of anything. It's just a bit of a distraction, but I feel like the lions, at least the one thing I haven't seen them do is give up a lot of what keeps them motivated. And look, it's seven it's seven straight losses. It wears on people. It, it, it does. And we, but we had talked about negative attitudes with guys like Jamal Williams before. And I know that's been a point whenever the press talks to Lions players about the attitude of fans and talk and opinion media in Detroit about the negative attitude. And I don't hate that the negative attitude exists because I get it. But at the same time, if you have that kind of, it's easy enough to stomp that out and focus on what's in front of you and just, just play well. The Lions showed a lot of progress in a lot of their young guys. And it sucks when those kind of injuries start to pile up. But I feel like the team is on an upward trajectory. And it's hard to say every time when, as I said, Sisyphean things happen and the ball rolls down. In this case, it was a back-breaking interception in the end zone. We can't let Jared Goff on the, off the hook about that. But other than that, I thought he played very well. I thought... His stat line will get buoyed by all the yards after completion that was given to him from Khalif Raymond and DeAndre Swift. But he played better. And a lot of that it probably comes from that he's playing his old coach. And maybe there's some revenge games elements to it, but it's now time to also prove that you can be motivated in something other than a revenge game. And I feel like the Eagles game gives you a lot of that. Even past the Eagles game, I feel like the Lions will still be competitive in several games going down the stretch here. The Steelers and Browns have both looked fairly, you know, fairly pedestrian. The Bears just got stomped on by the Buccaneers. Vikings later in the year, I don't know what happens with that. Broncos, I don't know if they're really much of a match against the Falcons, but there's the point is that I feel like every time we look ahead, sometimes we, we project what's happening that week onto what's going to happen there. And it's just the NFL is just a wild, crazy league where a lot of things just bounce around again. If Jared Goff just makes a better progression read on that interception and goes somewhere else on the field and doesn't try to force it in, we could be talking about a very different game, especially then on the next drive if Stafford either makes a mistake by forcing it in somewhere, or they just manage to get the stop or they just decide they're going to bring the house and they're not, as demotivated after Jared Goff throws that interception away. It's you're dealing with chaos theory, every game in the NFL. And you're trying to say, and then you're multiplying that by another chaos theory, looking into those games coming down the line for the lions. It's going to be a lot of health again, like AJ Parker had to get looked at. Um, if, if they, they, they're already fairly banged up that hopefully you'll, you'll get, you know, Taylor Decker back here soon. And because Matt Nelson got bullied around quite a bit. He was the one who almost got his head taken off by Leonard Floyd. But again, I feel that this year in particular, we, we've gone back and forth on it. 
about what this year means. And just at the end of the day, you just have to have some patience. And I know it sucks. You're giving up a year of your life waiting for a team to give you dividends. And I never liked the idea of trust the process at the end of the day. But this was the hand that the Lions were dealt. And at some point, you just realize this is what you have. And you have to just roll with the punches that are coming. And a lot of that's going to be on Dan Campbell too. And we, we make a big deal out of Dan Campbell. We really do. We, we really do just because for better or worse, he's become the face of this organization right now for all he talks for how he deals. And by the way, like I love one of the, one of the cool things about Dan Campbell we saw is that, you know, I thought Jerry Jacobs played well and then he got burned on a play. And then, you know, Dan Campbell was on his face on the sideline, not in a bad way on in his face, but in his face, just talking with him, dealing with him one-on-one. You don't usually see that at your head coach. And again, I can talk about all the reasons why I feel like Dan Campbell is a different experiment and it might not be a great experiment, you know, five years down the road, whatever, but he's a different experiment in that he's a, he's a head coach. Who's going to get in your face like that for, for a guy like Jerry Jacobs, a, a bleeping undrafted rookie or I'm, I might be getting it confused with someone else. Excuse me. But either way, Jerry Jacobs, not exactly like he's not your quarterback. You're not going to have that one-on-one, you know, relationship usually as you see with uh, other coaches, but like he, he doesn't mind micromanaging. He reminds me of <laughs> my, my grandfather was a, was a ran a restaurant and he reminds me of certain restaurant owners who were also cooks, like a, a guy I knew up in Vancouver who ran a restaurant who would walk the floor and like, you know, talk, talk to you about like, you know, point out, it's like, Oh, that, that chutney goes well with this dish. It's a little bit above and beyond, but it's important. It's important because it makes you feel like you're part of like, you know, you, you come from, if you have any kind of background in say artistic work, you understand that critique helps you. It, it sharpens your steel. It, it sharpens you and gets you better. It doesn't always put you down, but man, like I'm just impressed about it. And I, I, I know it, it feels like I'm, beating a drum saying how impressed I am. And I feel, I know that it's hard to keep saying that when the team is zero and seven, but right now, like that's, what's going to keep you motivated. That's what's going to keep you moving forward. And that's what is going to keep you at least looking into Philadelphia and say, that can't be a trip up game. You need to actually bring a win home. And I feel like they can, I don't think this team's going to go on 17. I don't, they're in too many close games to really say they're going to be zero and 17. And even then, it takes a lot of work to go winless in the NFL. And they're going to pick some up. And I guess the question is, is once they pick one up, how do you then feel as a fan? Do you think one or two wins is enough for you to feel good about this year? And then you're ready to start thinking about draft position? Or do you just need to see more? Like, where, where are you? Because once you get one win, you want more. We'll pick this up later in the week. I know Jeremy might record something from LA where we will have, uh, you know, first bite with, a Eagles with the Eagles uh, coverage here later this week, me and Ryan got smoked in one leg at a time, but we still keep doing the gambling bod- podcast. I hope you guys are listening to that because we're having fun with that. Uh, we've been doing a lot with this podcast and I feel like we're almost that halfway point. The Eagle, we're going to have the Eagles game and then we're going to have a bye week. 
So it's a good, we're almost, it's not quite the halfway point, but it's a good reflection point for what's been going on with the Lions so far this year. So we'll see what happens. Uh, until that time, I'm Chris Perfett, at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Thanks everyone who's been listening and reading Pride of Detroit and listening to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. As always, we will see you star side. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.